Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. What have you been up to? On this episode, we're going to be presenting an interview with Arlene Dahl. Why? Because tomorrow is her birthday. Happy birthday, Arlene Dahl. This interview was done back a couple years ago. Our good friend Frankie Keene up there in New York, who is always looking out for us, she's the one who set this interview up. If you see Frankie, thank her for me, will you? By her own admission, Arlene Dahl has had an amazing life, as she's going to say in this interview, and you're going to sense a real zest for living. She starred in 30 films, 19 stage plays. She's authored 16 best-selling books on topics ranging from beauty to relationships. There are a lot of times where I'll have a question, and I wish I could just call Arlene Dahl and ask her what she would do. And when you listen to this interview, you're going to understand what I mean. She's forever known as one of the great beauties in motion pictures, with her trademark red hair and for being paired with some of Hollywood's most famous leading men. She was a former MGM contract star, just to name a few of the movies she was in, Reign of Terror, Slightly Scarlet, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and many others. And then there's Three Little Words, which was a musical film biography that told the story of songwriters Bert Colmar and Harry Ruby, two of the greats from the American Songbook. And that movie starred Arlene Dahl, along with Fred Astaire, Red Skelton, and others. She's also one of the people behind this idea of the Broadway Walk of Stars, kind of similar to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's all in the interview, which I hope you enjoy. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Let's get into the interview. And Arlene Dahl, from the bottom of my heart, I wish you the happiest birthday yet. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a great pleasure to welcome Arlene Dahl. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Paul. I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? Well, I had a very happy childhood, mostly, uh, at least until I was 15. I had My parents were very supportive of what I wanted to do and any talent that I had, they gave me lessons in. But my mother died when I was 15 and just after I'd graduated from high school and and that was a very sad time for me. So you say that they were supportive of whatever you wanted to do creatively. I wanted to dance and I wanted to sing and I floated around our house in scarves, made up characters for myself. I was (laughs) very unusual, but I was an only child, so they (laughs) they put up with me. What about music? Was there a lot of music playing around the house? Yes, a lot of music. My mother and father both sang in the choir, the church choir. My mother would sit down at the piano and she heard a tune. She'd sit down and she'd play it by ear. They were very unusual and and wonderful parents. When did you begin to, to start to think of yourself as being a professional in terms of acting? Well, when I was eight years old, I was asked to be the female version of Uncle Tom's vacation. There was a little boy and a little, I was to be the little girl to take trips around the world. And it was also a radio show in Minneapolis. And at the age of eight or nine, it was, I, I think I was just 
eight going to be nine. And I did that for a year or two on radio. I think that program is called Uncle Don's Radio Show or Uncle Don's Trips, uh, Journeys, Uncle Don's Journeys. Were you always a very confident person? Well, I was a positive thinking person because my parents were all very positive thinking. Tell us about moving to New York City. What was that experience like? Well, a lot happened before I came to New York. I went to Chicago when my father remarried. My stepmother wanted to get me out of the house, so I went to Chicago with three other girls to model in the sportsman show, model bathing suits and sports togs. I decided to stay, and I was hired by Marshall Field and Company as a model for lounging apparel. And my boss wanted me, I was 17, I believe, and when I turned 18, she wanted me to take over for her when she retired. So she took me to New York, my first journey to New York, to meet all the people I'd be working with when I became her, I was her assistant, and when I became the buyer for lounging apparel for Marshall Field. And at that trip, I tried out for a musical on one of my lunches that she gave me and got the part in, in Mr. Strauss Goes to Boston. That was how it happened. Tell us about that first production. The choreographer was a, a very famous choreographer, and it, it was a, a musical called Mr. Strauss being Johann Strauss. When I tried out, they gave me the understudy for the lead and a small part in the production. And on opening night, Jack Warner and his casting agent, Sally, Sally Bayana, was in the audience. And they came backstage after the opening and asked me to come to Hollywood to make a screen test. But I said, Mr. Warner, I have a run-of-the-play contract. I'm afraid I can't come. <laughs> Imagine, I was... 17 years old, and I told Jack Water I couldn't come because of the contract I had. <laughs> what nerve! Anyway, that's what happened. But 15 days later, the show closed, and I gave him a call, and that's how I got to Hollywood. So now you've had two stories, one of how I got to New York, and the other how I got to Hollywood. Which of those two environments would you say is more close to your personality, the Hollywood scene or the New York scene? Oh, the New York scene completely. I mean, in New York, it's fabulous because you have everything in New York. You have the opera, you have the ballet, you have corporations, you have the entertainment industry, you have great thinkers, you have the UN. I mean, it's, it's, there's a whole world of entertainment and education in New York. What was it like being a young woman that was thrust into that world, the world of, of Broadway and show business it was very heady stuff um, as a matter of fact my mother didn't want me to, to be an actress which I had decided at seven I wanted to be but my father supported anything I wanted to do just so long as I was honest and did my best so in a way they both supported me but my mother wanted me to be a fashion designer because I'd won a few prizes in fashion in high school tell us about the actresses or actors that influenced you the most? Oh, my. Let's say my father really influenced me most. He gave me stability, and my feet remained on the ground, and he, they, both of them gave me a very spiritual balance and a work ethic that I have to this day. But I can say that Fred Astaire was 
probably the most influential actor because he got me my first song and dance in a motion picture in Three Little Words. It was he who went to Welby Mayer and said, I think she needs a, a musical number in Three Little Words. Give it to her. <laughs> and he was on the set every day during my number. He gave me his choreographer, Hermes Pan, to direct it. And it, it was, he, he was very influential. Tell us about meeting Fred Astaire the very first time, the first time you looked eyeball to eyeball with him. What did you well, find? Well, I was at him? a party in, uh, in Hollywood at Elsie Wolf or Elsie Mendel, Lady Elsa Mendel and Sir Charles Mendel's house, and he was there. He was one of the, the guests at dinner, and Cole Porter was being honored at this party, and we all gathered after dinner, we all gathered around the piano, and started to sing all the Cole Porter's songs that he was playing on the piano. And I guess Fred heard my voice, and so did... Uh, <laughs> so I sat down next to Cole Porter at his invitation, and we sang You're the Top together. And that was when I think Fred made up his mind I should sing in his musical that was coming up. That is a truly amazing story. <laughs> I've had a very amazing life. <laughs> I never planned ahead. It just sort of happened. What did you find Cole Porter's personality to be like? Oh, he was very outgoing and witty and charming. And, of course, it's hard to be charming when your leg hurts 24 hours a day. He had a cane. He wasn't in a wheelchair when I met him. He had a cane and used it all the time. You mentioned a moment ago three little words. What are some of your recollections from working on that? Well, we were in rehearsal for about two or three weeks, and Fred Astaire came to rehearsals every day. As I mentioned before, he gave me his choreographer, Hermes Pan, which he always worked with, to be the choreographer. I worked with six very handsome, tall, handsome men, dancers, who were dressed in black tie, and Helen Rose designed a sort of a pink lavender concoction a costume for me and gave me a beautiful feathery, large feathery fan to use during the dance. I felt like a princess because Fred was on the set every day that I rehearsed and every day that the cameras were on me. He, he was sort of my mentor in a way. Tell us about singing I Love You So Much in that... <laughs> Well, I sort of kidded the number and in rehearsal and said, aha, you know, a couple of times. And he said, oh, let's keep that in. So anything that I came up with, they would very nicely include in the song. But going down those stairs, I think I had 22 stairs that I had to go down while I was singing into the camera and trying not to fall on my face. So and and looking interested in the gentleman that I was passing down down the stairs, it was it was quite a, quite a a feat for me to complete, but I did it. We we did it in about three takes. Of all the movies that you did, would you say that there is one that shines particularly brighter for you? Brighter or what a greater uh, space in your well, heart? Well, of course, three of the words was one of my favorites because of Fred and because of giving me that number, that musical number. But I would say Journey to the Center of the Earth was the hardest film that I've ever done. 
because I almost died on the set when I almost drowned, as a matter of fact, when we go to the center of the earth and there's an ocean there and the the raft that we're on starts spinning in the center of the sea. There are 10-ton bloopers of water that are supposed to hit us on the back and they hit me in the face instead and I started regressing until I was five years old when I almost died and they had to call the full motor and so on. So I woke up in the hospital with Pat Boone, who is one of my co-stars, and James Mason holding one hand and the other holding the other, seeing if I was alive or dead, whether the film would go on or not. <laughs> it was a pretty scary thing, and we spent three months in New Mexico and farthest down into the caverns that anybody had ever gone. And, of course, I I had a little duck that I had to take care of. The duck had more stand-ins than I did. The duck had more stand-ins than I did. We had three stand-ins for the duck. They were painted, their eyes were painted each morning before they started work. The duck was called Gertrude. <laughs> and I think that Gertrude stole most of the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> when people ask me, when the kids ask me about Journey to the Center of the Earth, because it is a, a wonderful film for children to see, even now it's, it's out on, uh, out on uh, tape, I think it's out on film as a matter of fact. They ask me about Gertrude. They don't ask me about Pat Boone or anybody else. They ask me about Gertrude. What is the greatest compliment you have ever been given? I think the greatest compliment I've ever been given was by a mother who came to me when my daughter was in school and said, I think you are terrific for having taught your daughter good manners. How do, you, how do I get my daughter to write thank you notes and say thank you when she's given a compliment? And I said, children mimic their parents, so start by starting writing thank you notes yourself and let her see you do it. <laughs> I mean, children watch their parents to see what, what they should do. Oh, absolutely. But it was a great compliment. And my daughter, did, even today with all email and texting and everything, she still writes thank you notes on stationery. You've written a number of books. One of them is called Always Ask a Man. That was my first book, yes. Tell us about that book, because it's actually still available on Amazon. (laughs) Well, it's on, yes, you can get it also on eBay. It's available on eBay. It started because I, I wrote a column on beauty and health and fashion for 20 years, three times a week, with the Chicago Tribune, New York News Syndicate. And so I was asked by Mr. Schuster, Simon and Schuster, if I would write a book for them on beauty and health, which I did, and wrote also included in my column once a week was your beauty scope. So I ended up writing 12 books on each sign of the horoscope, each sign of the zodiac, for each sign what the beauty and health rules were to be and how you could best look your best and how to get along with the men in your life. I would like to get a couple of Arlene Dahl opinions on a couple of things. Okay. The first one, this is a fill-in-the-blank. Arlene Dahl says, a lady should always blank. Be subtle. Be subtle. Yes, be subtle. Don't hit the man on top of the head with your sex appeal. (laughs) Okay, and then the flip side, a gentleman should always blank. Be respective. A gentleman should always be respective of 
you as a woman and you as an intelligent woman. What is the first thing, in your opinion, that women notice about a man? Well, of course, how he looks. And if he's clean, I notice his nails. If he has dirty nails, it's a turn-off for me. If he has clean nails, I, I engage in conversation interestingly. Would you believe that I had a feeling you were going to say something about nails? <laughs> really? How did you know that? Maybe it's because I always keep mine so immaculate. Well, then we get along just fine. <laughs> when uh, is your birthday, incidentally? September 2nd. Oh, you're a Virgo. Of course, you'd have to have clean nails and be very observing about how you dress and how you present yourself. And you're a good writer, too. Good conversation. It's, uh, Virgo is ruled by Mercury, which rules the written and spoken word. So you're in the right business. Well, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this Broadway Walk of Stars. Tell all yes. the listeners about that. Well, at a cocktail party about seven or eight years ago, we were talking about the uh, renaissance of Broadway, how it, uh, we're getting rid of all those low-class shops and porn stuff. And, and somebody said, that, why don't we have a walk of stars like they do in Hollywood? And they knew that I had been one of the first stars to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So they said, Arlene, why don't you carry the flag for us? Why don't you start talking to the mayor and various commissioners about getting stars on the sidewalk to honor the stars and legends who made Broadway what it is today? They made Broadway. They had their start on Broadway like Lucille Ball and Bob Hope and Fred Astaire. And then they went to Hollywood and made films, but they began on Broadway. So we, they should have a star on the sidewalk of Broadway. And so it all began about seven years ago. And I formed a 501c3 charity. Well, it's really not a charity. It's a, it's a uh, company that if you give a donation, you can take it off on your taxes, which is very interesting to people who donate to the Broadway Walk of Stars. And we have a website that you can get to by going to www.broadwaywalkofstars.org. And you will see... Take the virtual walk and Liza Minnelli is singing New York, New York. And as you take the virtual walk on our hope for stars on the sidewalk, you will see it being placed on the sidewalk with Liza's name, Judy's name, Tommy Toons and Fred Astaire and Bob Hope and so on. And we are very close to, to doing that this, this year with Mayor de Blasio's commissioner, Cynthia Lopez, we've had several meetings and we're deciding on when this will happen, probably the fall, and where, and we're forming committees to choose the stars that will get the, their stars on the sidewalk. It's going to happen. Fantastic. So you mentioned a few of them there, Tommy Toon, Liza Minnelli. Tell us about some of the others that... Uh... Well, Fred Astaire, of course, the dance. We have five five different programs. We have the dance, we have music, we have theater, we have television, and we have film. And for dance, of course, it would be Fred Astaire and Tommy Toon. And for music, it would be Frank Sinatra and uh, Liza Minnelli. For theater, it would be Carol Channing and Helen Hayes, because we like to include those who aren't with us anymore, as well as somebody who's still alive and kicking and making a difference. 
And for, for film, we'd have Charlie Chaplin and probably Robert De Niro. And for television, Milton Berle, who was Mr. TV, and Barbara Walters. Did you ever meet Frank Sinatra? Oh, yes, of course. Anybody who lived in Hollywood in the 50s met Frank, anybody in the business, that is. What did you find him to be like? He was charming. He was a Sagittarius, December 12th, and they're celebrating his 100th birthday this year. So we hope to have his star on the sidewalk for his 100th birthday. He was charming. He was witty. He had a quite a temper, but he was very philosophical. He he believed in helping people without taking credit. He helped a lot of people who were down and out in the business and out of the business. If he heard a sad story, he would go to the, he would do what he could to to raise money to from his own pocket to to help them. He he was. He was a terrific guy. What is the best thing about being Arlene Dahl? <laughs> having uh, three children I can be proud of and having uh, nine grandchildren that I can be proud of and having one and almost two great-grandchildren that I can be proud of. This, they are my greatest production. This is a very open-ended question. What would you say to anyone who is listening in, wherever they are? Believe in yourself. If you're different, be proud of it and explore it. Whatever your desires are, if it's at all possible, work on getting it done. Don't believe in people who say, oh, you're too old or you're too young or you're too this or you're too that. Pursue your interests and really go after what you want to do in life with a passion. I think people lack passion in their lives. This is the most important thing. Whatever it is, if if you want it strong enough and you go after what you want, you'll succeed. I'm the original girl who couldn't say no. If somebody asked me to write a column, which I'd never written anything but my name before, I'd say, I'll try it. Uh, okay, try what you have never done before. Maybe you'll make a success. Also, if you're a failure, don't let it go to your head. Just pursue something else in a different line. What would you say when you're pursuing something? What's the proper response to severe criticism? Don't take criticism to heart. Figure out who said it and what they've done. And if they've done a lot, then listen and make a difference in your life. If they haven't done anything, then just dismiss their criticism and go on with your desires. My last question. Who is Arlie Dahl? Well, I'm somebody who's very happy that I'm healthy and able to still do things that I think are important. Be a good mother, a good grandmother, and a good wife. I have a wonderful husband who's 18 years younger than I, so he keeps me on my toes. I don't believe in sloughing off life. I believe in living every moment you can and making the best of it with whatever cards you were dealt. Wow. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us. <laughs> Not at all. It's been a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest has been Arlene Dahl. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me too, Leslie. God bless. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment and Media. The Paul Leslie theme song composed, recorded, and produced by Jeff Pike. 
Outro music composed, recorded, and produced by John Goodwin, originally appearing in the short film Malukas and Vulnerable Jelly Things. Please consider subscribing to the Paul Leslie Hour, and if you like us, give us a review. It'll help other people to find this content. All past interviews are also available on YouTube. For more information, you can visit thepaulleslie.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ThePaulLeslie. Thanks for listening. Be good.